Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Episode 85, Partha, you had a, a pretty crazy weekend. You went to Yosemite National Park and turned off your phone and spent some time with nature. Dude, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I have to say Yosemite is definitely the coolest place I've been, probably in the world, to be honest, just because it wow, has. That's, yeah, that's, it, that's high praise. Yeah, yeah that's, that's high, high praise. praise. I've been a lot of places, but this this is, first of all, so stunning. I didn't know America got this beautiful. And the plants, the climate, the the energy of the space, it's like, crazy spiritual but it feels just pure in in a pretty unfiltered way and that's like a, a part of it's because it's in a valley part of it's because you're surrounded by these huge rock walls but there's just nothing else when you're in that valley it's it's pretty incredible did you encounter any grizzly bears no bears we saw it was so cool we had a deer come right up to the trail and just like you know Chill. check us out yeah it was really cool. cool and then um they have this waterfall, Yosemite Falls, and they have the upper falls and the lower falls, and people hike to the upper falls. But we went to the lower falls, and um, we kind of snuck off the off the beaten path there, climbed uh, some rocks, and got right up to the bottom of the waterfall, oh, which wow. was nuts, dude. Like it felt like standing in a hurricane, all that water blown into you, and. It was, you know, for all of us, a very cleansing moment. We all just stood there and it was just like probably the freshest water I've ever been in contact with, right? Because it's coming from the mountains, melted ice. Did you drink some of it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay. You know, you got to bless yourself. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. So how was it being like completely detached from uh, your cell phone? I like that. I like to be detached from my electronics just because I also like to hang out and spend time in my own mind so yeah, yeah it, it, for me easy you know what i mean um, yeah. i i was the only one really like trying to do that in the group yeah. everyone else was like you know doing their own thing um but that was like a personal that's a personal thing that i do when i step away from work is just really take the time to step away it's nice man so you're fully fully recharged now and ready to hit the ground running this week. Yeah, I'm recharged. I'm connected to my soul. I'm connected to my higher self. Hopefully you feel the same way after this move that you've been doing for two weeks. Hey, man, this has been a real test of my uh, my uh, my Zen mentality this past <laughs> these past two weeks, man. But uh, hopefully on the other side of it, they say uh, no great thing happens without difficulties and challenges. So Hopefully this means that there's some some great blessings in store uh, once I touch down in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's so great. You know, I think one of the things that happens, one of the things that happens with life is that we all have these moments where life can get overwhelming or stressful. It ebbs and flows, right? And yeah. being able to understand when you're in either an ebb or like a flow, I don't know which is the higher or lower of those two, but when it's more intense and less intense just having the recognition of when you're in those moments i think is a really really critical thing yeah the recognition like is the most important thing right because if you can recognize it then you can control your re reaction to it but if you just 
react, then you don't, when you don't know if you're in an ebb and flow, your reactions uh, could make the situation worse. Yeah. You know, and part of me wonders, man, what if there's no ebb and flow and we just create that in our own minds, right? Like, what if it's just all the same and we, to keep our lives interesting, create stress and then not stress and then stress and then not stress? Do you think about that? I think, uh, I think I would agree, but I think that the problem is there's an external environment and external factors often, um, you know, and what, what often interrupts our flow is not our actions or what we're going through in life, but the external world coming and impacting us. Um, and maybe, maybe that's a part of it, you know, maybe that is part of what life is, is going, how you react to those situations and those things kind of happening, right? Cause you do have to control how you handle the external world and, and things that are beyond your personal control. I think so. I think that's a great point. But my counter to that is you do have to interact with the external world, but you don't have to react to it. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that happen that I notice in myself. I find a lot of stress from certain types of things that might happen. Like for me, it'll be probably like if I feel stressed and I want to make more money, for example, or I want to do, you know, something in, in, in the realm of like money, success, et cetera. That's like an area that I struggle with stress because of like my value set, how I was raised and like how I look at the world. And so when those things, when I get triggered kind of in that realm by whatever, I notice that the stress that I carry almost prevents me from getting to that goal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's such a strong stress that you're not able to really act or be present or really like immerse yourself in your craft. And what if that, all of that pressure from certain external things, like I think of death, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I spoke to some, um, a friend who was dealing with a recent death in his family. Yeah. Death is a tough thing for people to handle and it's rated as one of the most stressful events in life as is moving, as is getting married, as is changing jobs. These are supposed to be having a kid. These are supposed to be the most stressful things in your life. But stress is self-induced, right? Yeah. It's induced by your own mind. So are these things really stressful or do we attach too much value to them? I mean, some of them actually are stressful because they're new experiences, right? And we don't have, we can't tap into the experience uh, of something until we actually experience it, right? Like yeah, true. The example of moving, right? Like you had a similar experience to mine. You don't really know until you go through it, like how stressful and how many people kind of deal with the same problems when it comes to movers, right? Like most of us look up a company we hire somebody and we say, Hey, you know, we're, we're paying someone for a service to relieve the stress that comes with that. Right. So when that doesn't happen, it's unanticipated, you know, and it's the same thing with a lot of the other things that, that you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, marriage, having a child, changing jobs as moving as some of the more stressful things. A lot of that comes from, a lack of experience, right? Like I think people who 
who have kids a second time, it's less stressful than it mm. is the first time. <laughs> People who get married a second time, it might be less stressful than the first time. You don't know. Um, but it's, I think a lot of times you don't know everything that goes into something um, and a big decision or a big change in your life like that until you actually are put into that scenario. Yeah. That's a good argument. Our body is is wired to create more stress in new environments. I mean, that's, yes. that's a part of it. But what if it wasn't, V? I might die on this hill one day. But what, mean, if it, what, if it, what if it was just our perception of the event? Well, I mean, I think what you're tapping into is what work we do to control our reactions to it, right? If we just allow ourselves to operate naturally, a lot of times those stresses that we go through in life will show. But if we work on ourselves, like a Buddhist monk put into my situation uh, this past week would have probably handled it even better than I did, right? Because they've spent the time to program their mind and disconnect from feeling that stress that comes from the external environment. The reality is, especially living in America where there is so much noise around us and so many things that could potentially impact us and that we're told should impact us, it becomes a lot harder and a lot more challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, I mean, that's endless challenge. That's why, uh, you know, why I sneak away to the mountains every now and then. And I know you've got your, your coping yeah. mechanisms as well, those trips to the Caribbean. Yes, yes, definitely travel <laughs> and spend time with nature so you can be a, a more peaceful person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, fun fact for everybody who's listening, just looking at a picture of a tree when you're at your work desk reduces your cortisol or stress levels by 30%. And wow. going out into nature in any way, and like smelling trees, touching them, being around plants, reduces your cortisol levels by 70%. So wow. there is a deep, deep benefit from maintaining your connection to nature. I think that's a clip right there, Partha. Heck yeah, man. Fun bars. Fact. Bars. bars. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about, you know, probably the, the event people were really paying attention to this weekend outside of our RBS, the uh, Logan Paul Mayweather fight. This yeah. is... I mean, you go first, V, because you have a lot of background in boxing and you're very passionate about sport. Um, it's funny. Floyd Mayweather, because he's so good and because he is such a polarizing figure, he's figured out a way to make us tune into things that we know we shouldn't want to watch. <laughs> you know, like when he fought Conor McGregor, we knew what the outcome was going to be. When he fought Logan Paul, we knew what the outcome was going to be even worse uh, than it was the first time. But, you know, he's very clear in saying that I'm retired from boxing, but I'm not retired from making money. If people want to pay for something, because I think there are a lot of people that just want to see Floyd Mayweather get punched in the face really hard one time, and he knows that, or get knocked out. And they're yeah. willing to see anybody who has a puncher's chance uh, go in the ring and do it. Um, but it's funny. It's also for me, I like watching these things to really see the disparity between someone who's truly great and someone who's just an amateur trying to fight. 
And you saw this in this fight, like Floyd Mayweather essentially made this fight look like it was something for eight rounds with a guy who didn't even know how to throw a punch, right? Like he was like flailing his arms. He got a couple good jabs in there, but he actually knocked him out at one point. I saw that clip. I don't know if you saw it, but he actually knocked him out. And carried him. And picked him up so that he wouldn't hit the canvas. Yeah. That's how good of a fighter Floyd Mayweather is. Like he's the best boxer that's ever existed from a skill standpoint, whether you like him or don't like him. You know, I know he can be annoying at times and, and, but that's all part of the show. And the fact that millions of people still are willing to pay $50 to tune into this, that is, that is why would he walk away from that? He's going to make 30 million from this. And I also give credit to Logan Paul for, also understanding, you know, what's going to be entertaining to people because I think people want to see him get knocked out too. Um, and, and also it's just, you, you put on these events and I feel like a lot of people were very critical of this, but if you're critical of it, just don't tune in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The people who are vocally critical will absolutely be paying customers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we it's all like, have to remember. Like, when we, we all know this isn't pure boxing, yeah. pure science. Just don't tune in. It's an entertainment exhibition. If, if they're going to make money off it, let them make money off of it. And that's honestly like, you know, I got a text from, from my friend, Adam, who's a, uh, uh, maybe I don't want to out him too much, but Adam, I want to hear your counter argument to what we said last week, but he, he took some issue, um, with, the positioning of athletes as entertainers that we set up last week on the podcast. Yeah. Right. And Adam, I need to hear your counter argument so I can bring it on the show or you can come on the show and and deliver it. But I think this is a perfect example of how entertainment sports is Yeah, because it's not like, I don't know the viewership numbers. I didn't look into it, but I didn't want to watch any NBA playoff games. I only really wanted to watch this fight. Yeah, and why was that? I like Logan, man. I think he's a good guy. And I like Mayweather, too. I think they're both really interesting people. And Logan, genuinely, I've spent some time with him. He's genuinely a very kind person, very empathetic, very gentle. Yeah, I I like him a lot better than I like his brother, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Yeah, his his brother is like an instigator. He is a problem creator. It seems like Logan genuinely was pinching himself at the fact that he was even able to make it happen and be in a ring with the greatest boxer of all time. And he enjoyed the moment. Like it wasn't about winning or losing. It was, I can't believe I thought of this idea and I was able to make it happen and he enjoyed it. So that, that is that speech at the end that he gave is what makes me look like respect him. Right. Logan specifically, because to see somebody up there, doing it purely because they're so passionate about wanting to be a part of that moment. That's special. Like it's special to see anybody who has this vision or dream of like, Hey, I want to go from, you know, he's from Ohio like us, by the way. Right. And so to hear someone from Ohio, just like us saying, Hey, I have this, this idea. I want to, I want to go compete with the greatest of all time and get him to fight me. And to actually make it happen, make it a lucrative event for both parties and get in the ring like he had already won before the fight started, man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very aware of that, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and I thought Floyd was very, uh, very good and, and gracious in how he handled it. Seems like his age is starting to uh, create a little bit more humility and awareness um, and empathy for people. So I thought it was enjoyable. I really enjoyed also, I, I don't know if you saw the clip of Chad Johnson. That was the other thing people were canning here was Chad <laughs> Johnson taking a shot in one of the the undercards and fighting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his his speech, I, I'm sure the clip has gone gone viral now about, you know, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, creating challenges for yourself and taking a risk, even if you fail, if that's an experience you want to have, then try to make it happen. Absolutely. And you know, it's, a, it's unbelievable the things that you can, you can manifest just by believing and trying to make things happen. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the ribbon on it. Really, I don't know, man. It's, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to see stuff like this come together. And it's cool to see, like, it, it makes you think what's going to be different with things like basketball and football in the future you know how are we even going to think about sports because even the formally organized sport is starting to lose popularity and culture we're more interested in events with people we like competing in a in a game or an activity we're less interested in filling up a stadium yeah it's going to be interesting to see especially as the as the generation shift because it's clear that sports value lies more and more in entertainment with all the content that's being created, how social media actually works um, to see what happens to the competitive aspect of sports is going to be interesting. I, for one, will be sad if, if it's overtaken. I feel like we have a lot of things, different types of entertainment. And I like the aspect of sports of being competitive and that being the driver of watching a game right? Like two really yeah. good teams, players playing against each other to see, to see who comes out on top. I hope we don't lose that aspect of it in, you know, what clothes guys are wearing or what cars they're driving or all the other stuff that's going on. That stuff is cool too, but you know, I yeah. think we can have both. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it may have already been lost, man. Like I remember listening to one of the clips from the shop from LeBron show where he says, he doesn't even think the majority of players in the NBA actually like the game of basketball. I would agree. I think a lot of athletes, you know, and I've spoken to many of them who say that they don't necessarily love, they might've loved, they love playing and competing, but they don't love the business of being an athlete, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you, play, if you do something over and over and over for years and years and years, and you deal with the business side of it, the stress that comes along with it, the joy that you have as a kid kind of goes away. Yeah. You know, as, as they say, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. So, um, you know, speaking of more formal sports, NBA playoffs have been um, going crazy. It was unfortunate to see uh, the Lakers get knocked out of this thing. Uh, it was more unfortunate to see LeBron, pouting his face off through the whole end of the game yeah i was just like come on man i mean it's it's one of those things with lebron that i think is very unfortunate because you would hope that he would handle losing a little bit better than he does and he's got a consistent pattern of showing behavior like this mm -hmm. um he's a sore loser you know yeah. tom brady's a sore loser too 
right? Yeah. And for some reason, I do believe LeBron gets more flack for it than Tom Brady does. Um, we won't dive, <laughs> go too far. Because Tom Brady's white. Yeah, yes, we'll just say it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but I think in evaluating LeBron, that's one of the things that I think you would wish at age 36 he would have fixed by now, but he hasn't, you know? Yeah. Um, but we all have personality flaws, and considering you always have to give context to his environment, how he grew up. He didn't grow up with a dad. He didn't grow up with too many people ever telling him that he wasn't the greatest thing ever. You know, everyone's kissed mm -hmm. his ass since he's 15 years old. So it's not too far of a stretch to understand why this guy pouts when things don't go his way. Um, yeah. And the bigger storyline to me, though, is I feel like in that series, we've finally seen LeBron age a little bit, right? Like, I think that's part he looks of it. A little, he looks a little slower. Um, and you saw that without AD, he can't just take over like he did when he was in Cleveland, you know? Yeah. I think the other part of it is Phoenix is a legitimately good team. They I don't think good. that's been said at all this season to the extent it needs to be. Yeah. The, I saw their game yesterday against um, the Nuggets, and it was, I mean, it was an, ex an exhibition, man. Like, every everything they were doing on the court was so in sync i've never seen a team look more passionate about the game yeah yeah you know? they are amazing they've really you know i've said this all throughout chris paul's career the issue is not chris paul the issue is the teams that he plays with yeah not being able to handle the personality of someone like chris paul um and it feels like he got on this team. Devin Booker has that Mamba mentality from Kobe. Yep. That's his idol. The rest of the guys seem to have taken on the personality of Chris Paul. Cameron Payne actually lives yeah. with Chris Paul and is just soaking up. They respect him. Oh, they, they live together? Yeah, he lives with Chris Paul. No way. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. fun, dude. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, when you watch that team – you're seeing a throwback team, a team that cares first and foremost about being the best basketball team that they possibly can be. And it's showing in the results, you know? Mm, yeah, it um, really is. They crushed Denver um, last night. Yeah. Yeah, they did. You know, I mean, Chris Paul's looking younger every day too. Yeah. And his game, you know, is he's going to have staying power because it does not rely anymore on his quickness, he gets to his spots. He still knows how to make plays. He understands spacing. So he's got a couple years left in him. It's pretty nuts that you can have a style of play in the NBA that uh, he's what, 37 now, probably 38. Yeah. He's got a couple he's years somewhere. on LeBron. Yeah. He's, he's, I think, a year or two older than LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris Paul is still able to maintain his his game at an nba level being undersized just through like the intelligence of where he positions himself and how he moves his body like that yeah that's fascinating it's amazing man he's a he's uh one of the reasons i want him to get a ring is so in the history books of basketball his legacy is properly um appreciated and amongst players they call him the point god yeah, that point guard. They call him the point guy. So he's definitely has the respect of his peers. Yeah, but I don't think that he's gotten the objective respect he deserves as one of the greatest point guards of all time. And 
unfortunately, that's probably because he doesn't have a ring. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, we can't we can't talk about the West and um, give them props without also saying that Kevin Durant is is probably playing some of the best basketball he's ever played in his life. Kevin Durant is the best basketball player on earth. This is again. You may not like his personality. You may not like him, but he is embarrassing Giannis on the court. Like really embarrassing him. Embarrassing him, crossing him multiple times. Like that game yesterday. I know you saw the highlight where he crosses Giannis and then goes between two defenders and throws up the reverse. I mean, Kevin Durant's the best basketball player on the planet. And that's why that team is unfair for them to have Kevin Durant. Kyrie and James Harden. It's just like, unless you can score 130 points every game, you're not beating that team. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think the teams out West that have the best chance, quite frankly, are Phoenix and Utah. Um, and maybe the Clippers, the Clippers, if they get there, they got through this first series, but they've got, they've got the talent to match up as well, but it's, it's pretty much Brooklyn's to lose. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The only worry for Brooklyn uh, is always the injury side of it because all three of those guys have had yeah. their share of injuries. If they get two of their guys to show up, if two of those guys show up every yeah, game, they're, they're good. Gonna, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the advantage of having yeah. so many good players. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the rest of the players on their team aren't that bad either. That's yeah. the thing. So, yeah. You got Blake Griffin on there. Yeah. yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I ran through their roster. Dinwiddie's on there too, right? Yeah, Dinwiddie, That's Joe absurd. Harris. It's, that is it's, absurd. It's nuts. What Jeff a great team. team. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Durant, man, I, I can't give him enough props. He he has probably had the best return from an Achilles injury I, I think has ever been seen in sports. Yeah, and I, and I applaud um, also Steve Nash as a first-year coach, understanding the type of team he has. They're not great defensively, but it's, a, it, it's an extension of the D'Antoni Phoenix offense where it's like, look, you're going to have to outscore us, you know, and yeah. and it, it it creates a nice nice game of basketball for the talent that they have on their roster. Hundred percent. It is pretty fascinating that that can be a strategy, which is yeah, from defense, you know, try pretty hard, but just score a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't worked ever yet, you know, where if you're only offensive minded that you win because. People don't understand that Golden State team that won those rings. They were a top five defensive and top five offensive team uh, throughout that run. So yeah. um, D'Antoni has never won a championship. With Phoenix, probably should have. They got it kind of taken away from them, but they were going against Laker, Kobe, and Shaq teams, and he wasn't able to do it in Houston. So if if that gets proven, maybe Steve Nash will be the guy that, it takes the offense only philosophy to the mountaintop. Seriously. You know, moving it forward, uh, we saw a big trade in the NFL. Julio Jones is now with the Titans. Uh, I'm happy for him, man. This was right after that clip that we talked about. I think it was two weeks ago when Julio may not have known he was on national television and talked about how, how much he wanted to leave Atlanta. And so he moved about, you know, three hours north to Nashville. Yeah, and it, it's great that he went to a team that really wanted him, you know, AJ Brown, the other star receiver over there is really excited about adding Julio and they have a solid running game and a solid defense and Vrabel, our boy from Ohio state is the head coach. So yeah, happy, 
happy for him, happy for them. Hopefully he stays healthy throughout the season or at least is, is healthy by the time the postseason comes because he's had some injury issues the last couple of years. But at his best, he is the best receiver in the NFL amongst a lot of great receivers. Yeah. By the way, there's this clip uh, circle circling of him getting off his private jet, having landed in, uh, or off a private jet, having landed in Nashville. Yeah, and uh, he just he just makes that jet look small, man. Uh, he's a huge guy. <laughs> he's, he's a really huge. big dude. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, and how fluid he is as an athlete. Yeah, you know, um, that's 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 a tough thing to uh, to beat if you're a five ten, five eleven, six foot corner. Hundred percent. Um, you know, we got a cool, cool headline. Blue Moon's first space flight is next month. Yeah. Bezos is going to be on it. I didn't know about this when you put it on the list. Oh yeah, you didn't. I'm, no. I'm surprised you didn't know about this. No, surprised I mean, Jared. I'm, I'm surprised like, Jared didn't tell you. Jared didn't text <laughs> me about it, dude. That's that's pretty nuts. I don't think I would be on the first. Well, I guess you kind of have to as the as the CEO. But man, mm-hmm. like that's I don't know. He timed and coordinated it. He's going to step down as the CEO of Amazon 15 days before this journey. Oh, really? Uh, yes. He said that this was this really was his childhood dream to get to space, and he wanted to experience it with his brother. So um, there, there's some sentimental value there, too. So they are going to take this first trip. Obviously, there are some risks that come with this. Um but you know he he is going to be no longer the CEO of Amazon, um, and I think that played into this whole timeline of events is that goal that he had, right? Yeah. He, I don't think he has to worry about running out of money. So <laughs> yeah, good for him, man. Yeah. It just I don't know that that made him a lot more relatable in my book. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Hopefully, they have a. A safe trip makes it easier for people like us in the future to go out there and see the see the stars. Hundred percent. And then finally, the uh, Yeezy Gap collab has arrived. Did you get a chance to, to peek it? I saw it. It's just a jacket. It's like a puffer jacket of some sort with recycled vinyl. This blue thing that Kanye put out, and at least it's not a thousand dollars and only two hundred dollars, right? So yeah. Easy Still a high for, price point. For easy gas. for easy is for the people. Yeah, easy. Yeah, for the people for sure. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. Uh, see how it does. Yeah, it'll be. It will be. I think it will. It will do well because it seems like the kids that are in that fashion world um, really, really have bought into his brand and the culture of of the brand. So we'll yeah. see. It should be good for Gap. I own some. I own some shares. So hopefully it does well. we'll have to see how it goes man i know drake's probably trying to short that right now oh yeah (laughs) next week we're gonna get an announcement that drake has a deal with uh with zara or something (laughs) i don't even know zara would be a direct competitor to gap like who would be who i don't know Coles? is it Coles? no gap who would be a direct competitor to get banana they are the same bananas the same company company. more premium i guess express for men old navy but also the same company, right? Yeah, Express. It would have to be Express. The Gap is, I, I would say, lower tier than Express. Probably. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Drake would have to collab with the Canadian Gap. I uh, know. He'll figure something out. 
<laughs> well, uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with a deep dive. Uh, this week's deep dive is living in a state of love. And we're going to talk about that right after this quick break. Show the Pilot Boy some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a Pilot Boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture-wicking materials and built-in strike padding, so every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. This is your deep dive topic this week, so tell us a little bit about what, what triggered this this topic for you. Yeah, man. So we're going to, you know, from the first segment, I spent the weekend in Yosemite getting blessed by the waterfall. And um, it was like, it was this experience where I was standing there and I felt completely like almost translucent to the world. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking about what my role is within the universe, within the world and like all of the things that are so human driven that, that tend to add stress to my life and to my mind. And I realized that a lot of, you know, you could, you could, take the same inspiration from meditation. There's a lot of books that talk about this, but love in general is an emotion that if we maintain, and that doesn't mean like romantic love all the time, like love in the sense of like love for all around us and for ourselves. When we live in that state, we act differently than we do when we're not in that state. And, um, you know, I don't have a specific example because I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I noticed that there's many opportunities in life where I, due to maybe a fear I haven't identified about myself or due to some sort of subconscious driver of my activity, I may actually prevent myself from achieving my goals or finding true happiness. And the only like all-encompassing solution to not limiting yourself, in my opinion, is finding a place of love for everything around you inside of yourself and staying in that place because then you're open, you're kind, you never take a victim mentality, you're always looking to help others or lift others up or make something better and you you put your heart into everything you do. And for me, that is an appealing way to live because it ties in happiness with um, success in a meaningful way because it it limits a lot of your uh, limiting beliefs from actually influencing your actions. So for me, I want to talk about this this topic because I feel like finding a way to feel the feeling of love in your body every morning, whether it's through meditation or guided meditation or journaling or whatever, is 
a really good habit to get into to start to get your body to feel differently when you feel like that, to start to observe the differences on your body and to then translate that into life. But I think first, maybe we'll start with the premise of like, do you agree with the sentiment that finding a place of love is the way to guarantee yourself the most success in life and happiness? I agree with you. Now, the challenge that we all face, I think, is this. Um, It sounds great, you know, leading with love, leading with joy, leading with happiness and putting yourself in that mental state consistently. But I think the question that a lot of people have and the challenges that a lot of people face is how do you keep yourself from even if you are in that state and that's what you want to do, controlling your reactions to the environment? around you right like if you sometimes people who lead with that and people sense that this is a genuine person this is a good person this is a person that leads with love those people get taken advantage of a lot in life um just because that's not how the rest of the world operates so the question i'd have is how do you manage staying in that state getting to that state is one thing but how do you consistently operate in that state where these things that are happening from the external world that take you out of that or test that state don't impact you. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if there's ever a perfect way to do this. Like, I think it, it might just be a lifelong, like you're trying and trying and trying to like maintain, but I would say that there's, there's a way to find a place of living in love without being naive about the world. You know what I mean? I think there's a way to treat people kindly and not get taken advantage of at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have to turn off the street smarts just because you care about everybody around you. Yeah. But at the same time, that's like the difference between hunting to kill versus hunting for the, uh, for the obligation of conserving our environment, right? Yeah. Like It's the same action. There's just two ways to do it. And one of them is with love and one of them is not. So love doesn't mean don't kill. Love doesn't mean don't, you know, make uh, a business move that you need to make, right? But it means that the way you do it comes from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, that's why I want to draw the nuance because a lot of people, I think, read, whether it's like meditative texts or like, all these quotes that people pass around Instagram and they're like, okay, like I want to, you know, I want to give myself to everything. And it's like, it's part of it's a question of identity in terms of like you as a person really have to know who you are. You have to know your physical self from your spiritual self and be able to identify the difference between the two. And you have to be able to observe your emotions as much as possible before you react to them. So if you get those basics down, the next thing is like, how do you how do you enable yourself to treat everything with absolute love? So like the example I'll give is like, let's say you have to fire somebody. There's mm-hmm. two ways to fire somebody. One is you suck. I don't want you around here. Get out. Right. Yeah. A lot of people fire people unempathetically. Yeah. It's like it's brutal. Like there's no reason to do that. And the other way is if you know it's coming and you've given them the opportunities and been direct and said, hey, listen, like the tough conversations you have to have, right? A lot of people avoid tough conversations with people saying, hey, you're not doing what I need you to do. But if you think about it, the only action that 
could be a result of love is honesty in that context and being mm -hmm. able to be direct with someone and say, hey, you're not doing what you need to do for me to be able to keep you in this position for the bigger picture goal we're going for. Here's what you would need to do for that. Is yeah. that something you're interested in? And if not, that's fine. I still care about you. I want you to be happy. If someone else needs to fill the role, someone else can fill the role and we'll find something for you to do in your life that makes you happy, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a totally different way to fire somebody. But that is with love. And I think there's like a stark difference in people who do business in, yeah. in one way or the other. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, uh, the lessons that my dad has always taught me about himself because I get frustrated with him sometimes because I feel like he's too nice of a guy sometimes and he doesn't understand um, that a lot of the people, including his family and people around him, are taking advantage of him. And his retort always is this, which is, I am not going to compromise what's going to make me feel comfortable to respond to how they behave and how they act. I'm going to do what I think is right in every situation. And if the other person doesn't do the right thing, that's something that they have to deal with, not me. Um, and it's a difficult thing to kind of account for because it's tough because nobody wants to be a punk. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of. Nobody wants somebody to, to, to get over on them, right? But if you have a mindset of saying, okay, this is who I am as a person, and my decision-making and how I respond to the world is going to have an impact on my mental state, my happiness, my joy, then why would I take myself, if you can get to that point, why would I take myself off center based on the bad behavior of other people if I'm trying to, if I'm doing the right thing, then eventually I'm going to be the winner and they're going to be the loser. A hundred percent, man. And in that context where you are talking about the, hey, I might get screwed over, or this might not get me to my financial goals or business goals or whatever. Love is also a state of no fear. So if you're having those fears, you're not living in a state of love and it impairs your ability to handle that, that instance, right? But mm. oftentimes when you do business out of that scarcity or fear mentality where you're like, I don't want to not be successful. So I'm going to take this deal or work with this person I don't like or do this. And you you compromise on your ideals out of fear. Oftentimes we all do, yeah. right? That is the single thing that holds us back from success. Because in this world, like money, status, hierarchy, all of that is more a byproduct of a unobservable, maybe an observable, but immeasurable phenomenon, which is like natural like leadership and natural like sorting out of like what you provide to society. And I think it's more about being the leader society needs and letting the construct of society build around you than it is adapting to society. Yeah. Ad adapting or getting frustrated. Right. Yeah. It's not just, it's, it's both of those things because it takes time for you to get comfortable enough with yourself to understand that it's not you, it's them, right? Right. Um, because the consequences of it being them oftentimes affect you. Right. So that's a hard thing for us to like wrap our heads around and, and mentally train ourselves to be okay with, you know? Right. Um, but the, 
I guess it's difficult because it is liberating, right? That's why it's so difficult to get to that point because oh, yeah. once you do, you kind of are floating through through all things. The mud, you're floating through the mud, you're floating through the good, the bad, and you're kind of in this constant state of consistency that I think helps, right? Like people respond better when you have a smile on your face when versus when you have a when you're upset, right? Like just naturally how the world responds to you when you're happy and you're leading with love is always better than how it responds to you if you're an angry and unhappy person. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it it goes from the bigger things to the very nuanced things like I have a couple people I have to send follow-ups with, right? Mm-hmm. To to get, you know, some some wires done, right? So there's two ways I could approach it. One way, which is how I used to approach it when I was younger, it still worked. It just wasn't as effective. Was I would be I would be scared about having that conversation about being like, hey, I I need this wire because the money in the bank account meant so much to me being able to continue running the business years ago. It was like life or death. So I would be nervous and I would be tripping. And I would be like really kind of like a little bit of a bitch about it, to be honest, like in how I communicated. And that came totally from a place of fear. But as I've grown and as I've learned more about myself and about who I am and about what I care about, and I've started to try and live with that love more, it's like, well, at the end of the day, if I am chasing somebody down to get a wire or an invoice paid or whatever it might be, first of all, they already owe me the money, right? But second of all, like, it's a pleasure to do business with me. It really is mm-hmm. because I'm a good guy and I treat people well and I always deliver more than I, than I charge. So if you think about what you're actually doing in that context from their perspective, they will feel more pressed and guilty and bad for not getting something to you promptly than you will feel bad for you know riding them or bugging them, right? Yeah. It's like nobody wants to be annoying. Nobody wants to be irritating. But at the end of the day, I'm going from A to B, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really give a fuck what it takes to get from A to B. I just know that when I get to B, it's better for the world. And along the way, I want to lift up as many people as I can and treat everybody really well. If I live with that philosophy, I notice that the tone of my text messages changes, like the way that I speak with people changes, the way that I write my emails changes, the way that I create any sort of content or pitch deck or whatever it might be, it changes. It's all It all hits better. It's more effective. And it's because when you come from that place of love, you're just so present in your work that you're able to create better outcomes and it's it's a very difficult thing to explain until you experience it but there's uh, a huge difference between living your life out of a place of fear and switching it into a place of love yeah it's huge and it, it all circles back to the same thing right like looking internally and getting over your own shit so that you can lead that way yeah. because i think once you're comfortable in your own skin the world responds to that in a different way than if you're walking around with your head down scared to look, you know? Um, And that's, that's important um, for people to understand and work towards and understand that this is an internal thing that you have to work on. There's no book. Partha can't tell you how to do it. I can't tell you how to do it because what works in your brain and how your brain works 
you've got to figure that out and say, how do I become happy? How do I lead with love? And how do I put myself in a position where I'm not operating in fear, but I'm just going through the world and making it accept me for who I am. And that's, that's a, almost a, it's a huge challenge. So I'm not going to underestimate or underappreciate what that takes. All we can say and all we always say on this show is if you work toward that, you'll get better incrementally and eventually you'll reach that 100%. A point of where you are comfortable and you'll automatically see how the world responds to you and how much easier life becomes as a result. 100%. And, you know, just to put the bow on this, it's, I think back to that LeBron moment of him, you know, be, like you said, being a sore loser at the end of the game. And it's, yeah, I, I would rarely feel I have any platform to give and someone like LeBron advice, right? Yeah. But if I were to look at that situation and thought about things that he could have done differently, I think it's about the communication to your teammates in the locker room. It's about when you when you get frustrated at people for not performing to the level that you perform at, that doesn't help anybody. But when you talk to your teammates and say, hey, it's okay, you, you got this. Like, I believe in you. Like, that's yep. why you're on the team. I believe in you. I know you could do this. You get the results you're looking for. That's why Steph Curry is able to get teams that are not nearly as good as anyone else on the same level as, you know, any other team in the playoffs just by himself, right? Like, it's pretty nuts what he's able to accomplish. But if you look into all of the writing around it, everyone says Steph uplifts his teammates. He's kind. He's like, mm-hmm. he gives, right? And he, he lives in a place of love. And I think his his religion, his way he's built his life around himself really helps him maintain that mental state so just a a a lesson on the different styles of leadership and how the outcomes can be drastically different even with the same same resources like lebron's team the like they they went as far roughly as the warriors this year but we have a much different opinion of lebron than steph based on how both of them went out I think LeBron does really well with other great players, but if you look at his teams consistently, he doesn't do a great job of uplifting average players like a Kyle Kuzma who's struggling a little bit, um, living up to expectations on the court. Are you going to uplift those guys? Are you going to make them better? You know, Mm -hmm. and that's where leadership matters is is that because LeBron is always going to give you greatness even in a bad game. But how are you helping other people around you uh, reach that ceiling as well? By the way, MJ didn't do that either, right? And we glorify him. Yeah. We glorify the wrong thing in society. We should glorify Steph a lot more than we do. Yeah, we should. We should. Um, But on that note, we encourage you to stay moving. And always remember to be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up. We don't fly, boys, we get in up. So cool, 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 so c